Welcome to episode 63 of the Untitled Gaming Podcast. My name is Zach, and I'm joined by Rick. Rick. Chance. Chance. And Pat. Greetings, everybody. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We are a bi-weekly gaming podcast that aims to entertain as well as inform. We discuss the week's biggest gaming news, game reviews and impressions, and talk about the gaming industry in general. Of course, we don't only discuss games. We occasionally talk about movies, TV shows, favorite PS2 memory. I know that's still technically games. Yeah, I know it's still technically games. Right. But yeah, it was the 20th anniversary of the PS2 releasing in Japan. Happy birthday, PS2. March 4th. Yep. 2000. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about our favorite PS2 memory. Go! Uh, just playing SmackDown vs. Raw, the first SmackDown vs. Raw, because that was like a huge thing, because they had Raw games, they had SmackDown games. Wrestling, by the way, if you guys, for the uninitiated. Uninitiated? Yeah. Uh, so, you had SmackDown games, you had Raw games, and they were always separate systems. So, the PS2 had all the SmackDown games, the Xbox had the Raw games, Nintendo had like something else. So this was the first time that they combined the licenses for the two brands and did like a huge game that was the most realistic wrestling game at the time, and I didn't have a PS2. So I went over to my friends like every day after school for like three months, and we would just play the game. Chance. My favorite was probably uh, beating Kingdom Hearts 2 or playing Kingdom Hearts. That's when I got in because that's you know once after the PlayStation Two I got an Xbox mm-hmm. so like I couldn't ever play Kingdom Hearts again because um, I'd gone away. <laughs> there was the no other way. No, I once I had a new console I just got rid of the PlayStation. I just broke it. I just buried it in the backyard. <laughs> oh my god! He put it down like an old yeah. dying dog. But um, you kill the dog first before you bury it. Uh, Chance deals only in extremes and <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I did something like really freaking dumb. Like I went and uh, deleted all. It has to do with Kingdom Hearts. Oh, I, when we went on the DC trip, uh-huh. um, before I left, I was like at the very end of beating Kingdom Hearts, or I didn't realize. Oh yeah, I didn't. At the very end of Kingdom Hearts, end, yeah. and I was at a part where we had to button mash, and like I was like, "What the fuck?" They didn't give you any kind of like what button to press, or like I'm like, "What <laughs> the fuck am I supposed to do here?" And I went and bought the guidebook that was like twenty twenty four dollars, only to find out I had to tap triangle. Oh, and then God. after that, the game like ended. <laughs> like, I, like the game like it was it like that was the last like that was the last part cut, like quick time oh, that that. Sucks. there may have been like another snippet and then that was it I'm like why the fuck did I buy that whatever it's Kingdom Hearts I you guess I just read it before the internet like yeah I guess <laughs> I'm pretty sure the internet was still there yeah you could have gone to the store read it put it back down like I, yeah exactly <laughs> why did you buy it I don't know you didn't know where whatever it means they have an index it's like they have an index it's Kingdom Hearts so they had all like you know where all the items were and all yeah. that stuff. So I mean, I, there's some reason, but but there's literally no reason to buy guidebooks anymore. Like ever. well, now, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, actually, do, they, do they still make them? <sighs> yeah, they do. Probably. Yeah, they do. Especially for Nintendo games or like JRPGs. Yeah, I would say mine. I have a couple. I'm just gonna throw in there because stop me. Um, <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Three. Okay. The end of that was fucking. It was beautiful. It was amazing. That game itself just like really hit hard. But definitely one of my fondest memories was playing uh, Dynasty Warriors 3 in college with my buddy Tyler, just hanging out in his room. Like, we'd get up, like, early Saturdays and just, like, basically spend all morning and afternoon going through an entire Dynasty Warriors campaign. Shout out to Tyler. Yeah. All right. um, My favorite PS2 memory, uh, without a doubt, has to be playing Star Wars Battlefront 2. Like, the the original... You watch your goddamn... (laughs) (laughs) Like, the original Battlefront 2... Space battles were awesome. The campaign, the 501st, was so much fun. I love that. And then there was the um, Galactic Conquest, too, where you got to, like, 
go up against the AI to conquer the galaxy, and, like, depending on which faction you were, so if you were, like, um, Sith, uh, you could never, like, win on, like, like, Coruscant or something, because that was, like, the Alliance home base or whatever. No, that would be, like, planet you take over, like, last. It'd be, like, yeah, on the yeah, opposite absolutely. end of the galaxy. So, yeah, yeah, like, like or I, I would go, and, like, you would try to, like, attack, like, if you were, um, like, the Jedi, you would go try to fight, like, on Mustafar. And it would be like so difficult to win because that was like the Sith base planet or whatever. So you, you have to have like, up there. I played yeah. this like two like two or three weekends ago. You were the Republic, the CIS. Yeah, whatever or they were called. You were the like, Empire, the Rebellion. Yeah, there you go. Because you could do the two different time periods, but if you were like good or evil, like their base planets were like really difficult to beat. So you'd have to get like garrison power ups or like a Jedi power up to try Auto to help turrets beat it. were Auto so helpful. Great. I remember when this is tangent to like the campaign and stuff like that, but when you did well enough with the, oh, I hate you. No, when you did well enough with the rifle, you would unlock like the legendary rifle and it would be like the three round burst. That was like an insta kill if you mm-hmm. headshot it. And that was so much fun. Yeah, like if you get so many kills like throughout or like a single, like without dying yeah. run or like war hero or like legendary. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. Like I, as I said, I played it a few weeks ago with my buddy and we did an entire galactic conquest in one night. It's been it so long amazing. since I played it, but I remember like just, tearing through that game was growing up so so kind of on topic did you guys hear the rumor of the new star wars game that is leaked possibly yeah maverick which is going to be like the wasn't that one of the rumored ones that we talked about a couple weeks back it sounds yeah no so this one was actually there's a back end of the playstation store there was an actual listing for it um that's why somebody discovered it they were just perusing like. yeah parsing through the the thing this is how actually resident evil 3 was leaked before it was announced so it's probably legit but the logo is all we've seen or like somebody's seen a logo and has described it and it's like two tie fighters like in space or whatever so people think it's like a uh, a game in the vein of uh, what was that dog fighting star wars one uh starfighter jedi starfighter starfighter or was there there's a sequel to it or two right or something but people think it's like one of those um by motive so they're the people who did the space combat for the new Battlefront. So. This week we will be discussing the Half-Life Alex gameplay. We will be discussing the coronavirus and its impact on gaming right now, among other things. And we will be discussing the news about the Xbox Series X. Um, but first, what have we been playing? Pat, we'll start with you. So I can actually pull up my list. Okay. Yep, I'm pulling up my list too. Okay, so I guess before we let them two get into it, I, I actually want to end with Pat and Rick. Um, because they, over the month of February, proceeded to engage in an achievement war. So, for those of you who don't know, they went out to see who could get the most achievements. While in February. In February, over the entire month of February. Uh, so I'll actually I'll let them get their list and stuff like that. Chance, you and I will go through our list of games because it's no, not it's nearly as like long maybe as Maybe like one game. Go for it. What was your <laughs> one game? Uh, you go first. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> it's one game. How do you not remember? Okay, so I played AFK Arena, FIFA, Rocket League, Ori in the Blind Forest. Chance, go. Playing, been playing WoW and uh, League of Legends. As of right now, that's pretty much it. Cool, perfect. Now, our Achievement War people. Okay, so. Pat, you go first. I have a lot of games on this list, but I'm just going to... Just rattle the highlights. So before we do that, we had the Achievement War. So the final countdown in February, I had 12,240 gamer score, and then Rick had 10,275. Oh, All right, so uh, I want to talk about Gone Home. 
I talked about Edith, Edith Finch last week is similar to that. It's kind of like a walking simulator where you're exploring an abandoned house. And as you're going through it, you get audio diaries explaining um, kind of the, what the story is. Like you're playing as an older sister who was abroad, comes home. No, she still is abroad. <laughs> she comes back home and her house is abandoned so she's kind of going out and figuring out what happened and the story's about like what happened to the the little sister of the person you play as um it kind of starts off as a horror game but it's not at all so you know it's okay i'd give it like a seven out of ten edith finch is definitely the better game uh, and then I played The Gardens Between. Uh, this is actually interesting. It's a puzzle game where you control time, not the characters. So uh, it tries to t- tell a story without any dialogue. It has a bunch of different context puzzles. So you can move forward time. Uh, you can move time forward or backwards. And the the characters will do what they do. So you're controlling time, not the characters. Like the characters have a set amount of uh, actions that they do. You have to move time forward and backwards in a way that their actions line up with the world around them. And that's what solves the puzzle. So it's an interesting way to do a puzzle game like that. Some of them could be pretty frustrating, but some of them are like super easy. Uh, The aesthetic of it kind of reminds me of Over the Garden Wall. If you've guys seen that uh, old Cartoon Network uh, animated show, Uh, I'd give that a 7.2 out of 10. Uh, then I did play Old Man's Journey, which is another puzzle game that doesn't use dialogue to tell a story with like memories and stuff, kind of like Gardens Between, but it is way worse in my opinion. This old man is a bitch. I do not relate to his character at all, and the puzzles are very simplistic. I would give this a 3 out of 10. Is it possible you don't relate to the character because you're not an old man? Yet. Rick can talk about it okay one more game i want to talk about uh i did play wonder song which is a music adventure game that has some like puzzle solving along the way it's kind of like a a twist on the adventure game genre because you start off you're playing as a bard and one of the first things in the prologue is they have you pick up a sword like any other action game like that but the guy he can't lift up the sword it's like too heavy for him and then he goes through the thing and at the end the person in like the vision that he had tells him he is not a hero uh so you just have to use your music to solve the puzzles and like combat and stuff and it's kind of interesting some of the way they implement it there's different worlds and each world has its own mechanic uh the humor and the art style kind of reminds me of paper mario i mean obviously not as good but along those same lines so kind of was scratching some of those itches i would give this a 7.5 out of 10 so i didn't play the best of games but they were easy to get an achievement so yeah since we last spoke i think i was playing uh walking dead season maybe two or three Wolf Among Us, which I put a pause in Wolf Among Us because instead of racing to beat it and get all the achievements, I really wanted to savor Wolf Among Us. But I did get a lot of points in um, Walking Dead Season 3, which was good, but there was an issue. I couldn't download Episode 4. There are five episodes. What? Like, it was like, it was like oh, this is included with Game Pass. And I'm like, sweet. And then I went to like, okay, cool, Like let's start playing. And they're like, well, you need to install it. So I installed it. It was like, download now. And I was like, cool, I d- download now. And I was like, all right, well, you can't play it. You need to download now. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So like, I actually went back and I bought this episode. It was like two bucks. Oh, my God. And it still won't let me play it. Mm. So Did you try get... uninstalling and reinstalling? Yeah, I, I, I installed the game, reinstalled it. I like restarted my Xbox. It was like I looked on online forums. 
no way I could play episode four. So I just went straight into five, and it auto, like the way Telltale games go, it auto chooses some events for you. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it chose a couple events the way I wanted to go. But not all of them. Yeah, this has been out for a while, so like spoilers, but um, like one of your, like two of your friends get kidnapped. And you're like, oh, like they're like, oh yeah, choose which one you want to live, and whichever one you choose wants to live gets killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this I, is the new frontier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So luckily they killed the guy that I wanted to live, which <laughs> kind of sucked. But, um, but the, other person, the other person dies anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. So I also played a little bit of the Turing test. Turing test. Yeah. Yeah. Turing test. That was fun. It's kind of like, kind of like portalish. A little portally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would kind of see where Pat was, and then see what games Pat played, and then they were all on Game Pass, so i just download those and then play them. Like, one morning I beat Tracks, the train set game. Terrible game. Which was pretty terrible, but I, I guess if you're a kid, or you have a kid who likes to build that shit, and like that, that'll keep him occupied for hours. If you love model trains, that's by your, all that's means, download Tracks. And then I saw that he played a game called Old Man's Story, so I decided to play it. It's a French game, um, and it's a really sweet story, just about an old man who's like, you know, went off to become like a, you know, I think like a sailor, like a fisherman. He abandons his family. He abandons his family. And then like he's like, oh man, now I feel bad. So he's like traveling, but. But it's years later. Yeah. Like he's, he gets he's a letter, an old man now. He gets a letter in the mail that reminds him, oh shit, I should visit my family. <laughs> and then his like wife is like dying. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> but uh, the gameplay was kind of fun. It was, it was neat. You know what it is? It's, it's about like mistakes you've made and dealing with them i've never made a mistake so i just can't relate to it yeah but it was a sweet game it was just a not like a sweet game it was like an endearing game uh what remains of edith edith finch was a great game you can beat it in an afternoon i highly recommend everybody do that it was a wonderful game uh played some hellblade uh got to that um the labyrinth part i was like this is taking fucking long um so i went to gamestop and i bought uh, I was looking for Telltale uh, Tales from the Borderlands. They didn't have it, but I did find Telltale Guardians of the Galaxy. So I bought that for $15. And I also got Assassin's Creed 2, because that was one of the only games for the 360 that I 100%ed that wasn't like a Telltale game. So, and then Pat uh, decided to go in ghost mode. So I couldn't track... For like, an afternoon. For an <laughs> afternoon, but it was like, a, like it was like an afternoon that I was like off of work. <laughs> so, I don't know, I just kind of... Like, I lost all motivation. The chase just wasn't there anymore. So I started playing Assassin's Creed 2. So that's what I've been doing for the past week, and it's been great. Like, once I stopped chasing achievements, I've really been enjoying Assassin's Creed 2. It's been a long time, um, and having a lot of fun with that. I started a new character in New Vegas. I'm excited about that as well. And um, kind of putting a lot of these games on the back burner and taking a lot of notes of what Pat said earlier for next February our next achievement war it got hairy there for a while because i'm like i just got three thousand tonight there's no way he's catching up and then the next morning he's right up like <laughs> five ten points ahead of me i'm like how the fuck is that always get like right on your heels if not just like a, like yeah five or ten points right ahead of you so that was a lot of fun housekeeping stuff all right so this is going to be pretty vague because i can't mention any details but stay tuned because there's going to be a surprise soon if you're listening to this on monday if you're listening to this after Monday, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, surprise already happened. Go check. You might have already heard it or listened to it. That would be the same thing, hearing and listening. <laughs> I, I thought I said see it. <laughs> I'm like, listen to it. Oh, wait, I said heard it. Other housekeeping stuff, much more specific, and we can actually tell you what it is. We have a Facebook page now. Woohoo! 
Yay. Yay. All right. It's the Untitled Gaming Podcast. Go follow it, like it, share it, all that jazz. All right. Half-Life Alex gameplay. So three trailers were released by Valve. Three different uh, gameplays. out of the blue. No commentary. Yep. Nothing. So the first trailer shows a bit of gameplay and what looks like an abandoned subway with head crab zombies all over the place. Just strewed about everywhere. Yep. And it shows off a little of the movement that's happening in VR. So for, for those of you who don't know, Half-Life Alex will be a VR game. Uh, the teleportation is interesting. It's point with the cursor. When you click, it just immediately teleports you there, which yeah. I guess is for those who like a lot to of, use the movement. A lot of early VR games use this. So like you, it creates like a shadow or an outline of where you want to be, and then you press a button, and then it teleports you there instantly. Uh, this is kind of better for people who aren't experienced with VR because it takes away that movement aspect of it, like actually walking because in the game you'd be moving, but your brain isn't perceiving, like you're not feeling that movement. Yeah, like your, so your brain is like disconnect. Your, your brain is like noticing the VR movement, but your body isn't physically moving. So like vestibularly, like you're like, oh, I'm going to get sick. Um, but it is similar to Robo Recall for those of you who have played that. Uh, so it looks like in this trailer, what they show you, you have the option to do some stealth stuff. So you can sneak up on the zombies, but in the video, they shoot at everything. Yep. Why not? It's action <laughs> game. So there is a safe room uh, that you find pretty early on in the trailer uh, that shows you a little bit of weapon upgrading. Um, it shows like a little bit of, uh, it looks like health upgrading as well. How the health regen works. Yeah. Um, I thought the coolest part was when you were in there and you had to open up the locker and stuff is falling out and they, the person who was playing this gameplay in particular had to react to catch something. If you mm. didn't react in the game, you could just drop both things. So I think that was an interesting aspect of it as well. The weapon upgrading they showed, you put your weapon in this machine and you can buy upgrades there, whether it's through... I don't think they showed it, but you could probably have like skill points or yeah, it's something a little, or other. Throughout the whole demo, you're like grabbing like little things that you yeah, put in. Like it's like consumables or something. Metal, really, yeah. like stuff that you Resources use to upgrade. things yeah. of that nature. Yeah, so, so. You, you use those to upgrade the gun. Uh, at this point in the demo, they didn't have much, so they didn't, couldn't upgrade the gun. But it like this and the health, everything is conveyed to you visually it's not like a menu pops up or you press start or you go to your inventory because that kind of breaks the immersion of vr and that's the biggest thing so you have to actually physically put your gun in this machine and everything is on the the screen of the machine and then when you get your health there's a little display a heart display on your left hand that you look at physically it's not going to tell you there's not like a bar on the top left of the screen or anything so i, I think that's a, a good way to keep you immersed in this game and then at the end of the first trailer you get to a, a portion where you're going through one of the subway trains and you get to or the player i guess would get to a door that was barricaded and you can reach through the broken window and pull the pipe that has barricaded between the door handles and in this gameplay they turn around they throw it at one of like the head crab zombie people and then they proceed to go into the train and pat raised a good point because it wasn't a cinematic and you were physically doing it, could you have entered the the doorway, closed it, and put the pipe back in? Stop the, the and thing. stop the people from coming in. Because that's how the demo ends. Like the person gets overrun, and then like they're clearly going to die, and then like, it just cuts to black. So yeah, that'd be the smart thing to do. Like pull out the pipe, open the door, close, close it. it, put the pipe back in, so the zombie can't get in behind you. So hopefully you can do that. Because in like a normal game, yeah, that's like like you're playing Uncharted. It takes control away from you for a moment as he pulls the pipe out and then he'll toss it. You can't do, choose what to do with it. Yeah. And then you'll go through the door and that's like the next set piece. But in here, it's like you're actually doing it yourself. So 
hopefully they keep stuff like that in there. So the second trailer starts with a 3D hacking mini game kind of deal. So they they pull up this like almost this globe kind of thing, and you're basically it's a hologram. Just, yeah, 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 and you're just connecting the dots between the hologram, just matching them up to unlock it. It was pretty it's, cool. It's a standard like match the two same symbols. Yeah, and it wasn't too like, tedious or anything, but it, you had to get used to like physically moving in three dimensions in the VR, which was really interesting. Yeah, because like I said, in other games that are VR, it would pop up like a screen, and you're doing everything on the screen. But in here, it's like yeah. you have to convey the 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 information in like what would be the real world. Right, so. exactly. You're not going to see like a thing like oh, like press to do this or click to do that. You have to figure it out for yourself, which I think is cool for. For what VR can do, because then you can actually, with the immersion, obviously, you can actually experience those things. And that's something that, like, in video games, I hope they keep going down that route. Because it's definitely cooler that way, in my opinion. This demo showed um, no teleportation as movement. You were actually, like, physically walking the steps and things of that nature. I could see going from the teleportation to that, how that could make you sick if you were... Um, playing it in that mode and for those of you wondering how this would work uh all the vrs that are out there all the vr devices have controllers that are kind of like joy cons like each controller has joysticks like analog sticks and stuff yeah like that. so it would work the same as it does like on a standard controller your left one would control uh forward and back motion and your right one controls where uh well actually no it's because you're actually looking yeah, you're looking right? Mm-hmm. So I guess it would control like where you're strafing in that yeah. scenario. But uh, either way, like that's how it is. Like pretend you have a controller and you just split it. So you have a, a joystick on each side. That's how you're moving it. And it looks like you can pick between the two teleportation modes. And uh, so I wonder like with the Joy-Con move, because like, when we were watching the gameplay, the movement was like pretty fluid. I wonder if there, I'm sure there would be like sensitivity of movement because like it didn't look like they jolted at all. So everything was like there, there was head bob, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, there. I guess it's. I'm sure you can change the sensitivity of stuff. Like there aren't very many VR games that do this because it is so like makes people motion sick if they aren't used to it. So um, I think the only game that I have that gives you this option is uh, Marvel, uh, and I remember what the other joystick is for. So basically, um, you move the left. The left joystick moves just like you move in a normal game, like it's deciding where your feet are moving and then the right joystick whichever way you turn that's the way you face so Mm. instead of you having to physically turn your head to the right to walk to the right and keep your head to the right even though you want to do something over here you move right on the the right control stick and it just pans your head yeah it makes right the direction right in front of you okay very cool also in this trailer they showed off how um grenades and stuff would work i think it was in this one where they they pulled, it was almost like this egg-ish thing. Yeah, it was one of the alien grenades yeah. for the combine. <laughs> it was funny because all you had to do was shake it to activate it. And Pat was like, God forbid you grab it and shake it too quickly, otherwise it'll go off. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was really it was really cool. It looked really seamless and that kind of stuff. The third trailer... More action-oriented. Definitely more action-oriented. Lots of gunfighting, lots of gunplay. You could see more of the weapon attachments and things of that nature really on display. This movement style they used was my favorite. It was... It's still teleportation. It was still teleportation, but it was almost like... It was like sped up movement, basically. It's like a dash, kind of. Yeah, exactly. So you could still see the movement happening rather than the screen, like, cutting uh, to where you are. And I think I like that one the most. Uh, So so a lot of the gunplay and combat in this particular uh, trailer was in a more open setting with a lot of cover and movement. 
and was just kind of like run down, broken down cars, that kind of stuff. And then you could pull. The best part was, open. yeah, they pulled the car. Yeah, like you open take for cover. cover. Yeah, they took cover behind a car, and this uh, enemy AI like kind of ran around the car, and the character just pulled the car door open as cover, and then shot through the window, which was really cool. They like took cover in like a porta potty, and they found like. Uh, ammo attachment to ammo the shit in the toilet so always check the toilets please. always check the toilets the gun dynamic was really interesting like they had a projectile launcher on the pistol yeah or something so like there's that. like attachments or like single use stuff that you could attach to your gun to make it like a grenade launcher or like i think one of them was like to make it headshots count better or like the yeah, next shot would like, like seek them or whatever um, the coolest thing throughout all these demos that they're showing you was the uh, gravity gloves that you have. Yep. So instead of having to physically walk to whatever you're trying to pick up, you just like look at it and it'll highlight it. Then you like do the motion where you're like force pulling it and then it'll just go to your hand and you know you get collectibles that way instead of having to physically walk over to them. So I think that's going to be save you quite a bit of time in a game like this. Yeah. So what did you guys think about it in general? I know for me, I obviously had a misunderstanding of what this game would be. I thought it was going to be more like a horror game, which it's, does not seem to be the case. The game that like paved the way for first-person shooters. I did not play Half-Life growing up, so... You should have heard of it, at least. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah but like, if you never played it, you didn't experience it. It's just kind of like it is what it is, I guess. So I played Half-Life before I played Halo, and then going into Halo, I'm like, this is a fucking rip-off. Really? Oh, yeah. I played Halo first. Yeah, like, just like, okay, cool, I'm in this, like, I got this cool little suit. All right, everything's just going to shit around me. And then you have to admit the Combine, kind of zombies, and the Flood. Pretty fucking similar. But you don't have a wrench. No. That's the difference. That's you have the a sword, one. an energy sword. And instead of a scientist, you're a, you're a master chief. That uh, you are. The Spartan. <laughs> So, yeah. And I know, Pat, you have, like, a VR I have the, Oculus. You have the Oculus. Oculus Rift. Is this something you're going to get for that like, oh, yeah, right away at launch and everything? 100%, yeah. Uh, I was considering buying a, an Index, but they are with – we'll talk about it in a second. But with the coronavirus thing, uh, I think that's the reason they're not in production anymore. Plus, they're in high demand because this game is coming out. So I was going to save up to spend 1000 on this new VR headset for the one game that I'm actually going to like use the full capabilities of it, but thank God it's not in stock. So that's, they took away that option for me. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just be playing on the Oculus Rift. Um, hopefully I'm sure it'll work fine. Um, Valve's whole thing is they want to make this game accessible because they're kind of investing in the future of VR versus just their headset. So yeah, I'm definitely going to play it. I think I'm going to use the, the normal walking locomotion because I've, played a lot of vr games right. so i'm kind of more used to it i guess from a visual sense i know we were watching it in 4k and everything on your tv and it was a youtube video how do you think it's going to look visually with because you have more experience with your oculus obviously yeah, so you're so, used to the vision and like it's pixelation and that kind of stuff so as you're watching the demo that's what they have as like the maximum render target so like if you have the best rig that's what it's rendering but you can only display what's being displayed on the the actual screen in your VR headset. So, so I, for yours, for example, what's I, the specs? I have the Oculus Rift, which is, I think, 1080p per eye. Uh, it might be a little bit more than that. I'm not 100% sure yet. Um, but it's not. it won't look that sharp, especially because the pixel density isn't up. Uh, Oculus Rift was one of the first commercial headsets that were available. So um, 
it was like if you zoom like if, as you're playing a game if you like focus on an area you can actually see the pixels like the space between the pixels and it creates kind of like a screen door effect kind of like you're looking through a screen door like it has that net gradient like kind of thing yeah. yeah so um it's something that like if you look for it you can notice it kind of like i wear glasses and they're like the small glasses so i can see the edge of my glasses if i focus on it but the second i don't focus on it and like I'm in the middle of a conversation or I'm distracted. It's not something I can see anymore. Right. So it's definitely good enough for if you have the rift or the, um, if you, I think it'll, they said it'll even work on the, uh, the quest. If you plug it in, uh, you know, the index obviously will run at the best. Uh, the HTC Vive is pretty much any Windows Mixed Reality headset. There's countless ones out there and it's going to work on all of them. The only thing it's not going to work on is, uh, the PSVR because that's, Sony's proprietary thing. I'm sure at some point Sony's going to want this on their thing and I'm sure Valve is open to it, but it's not something they've announced, but yeah, it's it's going to lo- it'll look how it looks on my VR headset, but I think the gameplay is what's really going to keep me going. So one other thing that a news that came out of this whole Valve releasing gameplay and kind of starting their whole press build up for Half-Life Alex is they said that this game is like somebody asked him point blank in an interview like are you doing Half-Life 3? First of all, there's three of these trailers that were released. So you think confirmed. Half-Life 3 confirmed. But no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, they said this game is a return to this world. It's not the end of it. So to me, Half-Life 3 is happening I know in you, our lifetime. Right. So I know you guys have been... It might still be like seven or eight years away, right. but... And, and you mentioned earlier when we were talking about this, like kind of like off, offhandedly that this would be kind of like a feet wedding thing to see if VR is how they want to go in about yeah, attack. Yeah. And if it's critically acclaimed and people really like it, then half-life three could go down this route. And if not, they could just kind of go back to what they were doing before. Yeah. Cause valve has always made games based on like the, the new technology, like half-life one and Rick, maybe you're a better person to talk to about this. Like half-life one revolutionized telling story in first person. And then half-life two kind of revolutionized the mechanics and how you handle like that actual gameplay. So with half-life three, there hasn't been as many like jumps in um, first person gameplay or like how you tell a story. So naturally the, the next thing that is like the game changer is VR. So if this works for them, I think, hundred percent think half-life three is going to be a VR title, but if this just doesn't sell well, or like, you know, doesn't get that market share that they want it to, they could possibly just go back to the normal or cross. Or yeah, I think cross compatible. would probably be a great way for them to go. Like what was the resident evil seven that like allowed you to play the whole game in VR or just normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that wouldn't be a bad idea either. Cause that way you don't like alienate like, I, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but like I wouldn't assume majority of people have See, VR. The problem with doing that is you have to build the game in one of those two scenarios and then convert it to the other one. That'd be more like a port, right? Or would yeah. it be separate, different from Well, I mean, it's kind of like a port. You just have to make sure everything works in that VR view versus the, the normal view. Yeah, um, engine, the way it's running. Somebody asked them, like, why isn't this an option for Half-Life Alex? And they basically said... Early on, we were designing the game and we would have to redo every door to make sure it worked in uh, the normal console, you know, the way it works normally in engine where you're not in VR. And that would just take a shit ton more work. And that's just one aspect, doors of the game. So right. it's just too much 
work to, for to them to the do it that thing. way. Yeah. And yeah. Valve has always been like, if we're doing this, let's do it right. Let's go all in. So yeah. basically if you're a Half-Life fan and you really want Half-Life 3, I suggest you buy Half-Life Alex. Yeah. What's the news? What's the news? Not slow news. All right. Not slow news is a news segment where I list off uh, a headline and you guys have one sentence to respond. <laughs> It's like you forgot what you were doing. I totally. I, it's no. I've not been on this week. I'm so sorry. Did I'm you sorry. say it's a new segment? News. News. Oh, news. I've been like, I've I, I, I double take like that every time he says it, but it's just he's not it's saying a new it segment. Wrong. All right, this is big news. Uh, Resident Evil Three remake Nemesis can break into safe rooms. And what's the point? Why? Why are they safe then? They're not yeah, safe. They're, like, they're not called safe rooms anymore. You got to have a new term for them now. Like save rooms, where you can save your game. <laughs> They're just rooms at that point. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Last of Us series in the works at HBO from Chernobyl creator. Yeah, I mean, that's... It, this could be like something that paves the way for video games and television. Nikolai Caster Waldo as Joel. Perfect casting. I really want a Game of... Or not Game of Thrones. I mean, that. Uh, God of War. Be awesome. I'm excited. I Hopefully it's a shorter run like Chernobyl. I think um, it is. It's HBO, so I expect 10 episodes. Yeah, because... They really beat this dead horse. It's just going to become another Walking Dead, which yeah. I'm like not a fan of. I mean, I would really love it to not have Joel and Ellie because we've already had that story. We've done it so well. So you don't need to redo that. But there is a lot you can tell in that world with like the whole Firefly aspect of it and everything. So. Death Stranding PC release date announced and Half-Life crossover content included. I, I don't care. Yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, I don't know. Headcrab hat. I think was the crossover. Is Probably, that it? yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Taika Waititi making Charlie and the Chocolate Factory series for Netflix. So we talked about this already, and I I think it's going to be great because it's it's Taika, but I don't care for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's so. actually two series, one inspired by the original characters, and then one focused just on Oompa Loompas. That's the one I'm more excited. I for. don't know if I care enough about Oompa Loompas to like watch a whole series dedicated to them. I'm worried for his health. I think he should focus on other things. Whose health? His health. Yeah, he's fucking in everything now. <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah but that's a little, maybe too much. Yeah. He's writing and directing. He's not drawing for Oompa Loompa for this animated show. I don't care. He needs to... You think he needs to take a break? To focus, yeah. From offering us excellent no, cinema. No, just focus on certain things. Okay. Uh, Tessa Thompson confirmed that Christian Bale will play the enemy in the new Thor movie. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love Christian Bale, so... This great casting, yeah. great choice. I trust Tiger Watiti. I just can't wait to see Beta Ray Bill. I'm excited about a new Thor movie. Like fuck it. I'm pretty sure Tyka's doing that too, so He is. Okay. He better watch himself or chance will put him down. <laughs> right. Because he needs to worry about his this is what he should be working on. He should be, exactly. You know, should be he, working on some you know fucking he can do factor. other things. He doesn't just have to do. I know, but like he doesn't stuff, have to but... squander his time with what do you the mean squander his chocolate factory bullshit. He, <laughs> no one cares about that. Thor four is already written because there's a script already out, so he's already wrote it, and it rhymes. Yeah, and like. He doesn't direct every scene. There's B teams that direct like the the shots of them just walking and stuff, you know? Like, yeah, those are B teams. Exactly. That's his point. Like that is exactly his point. He doesn't need to be there to do that. He's not living and breathing this movie twenty four seven. He should chance he should be. be. <laughs> Alrighty. So the coronavirus. I know we don't want to talk about it, but it has to be done. This is Again, we know it's been way overblown, but it is starting to affect 
just major media and stuff like that. So, unless you've been... It's a real-world example right here. Yeah, Rick is ill and has the coronavirus. God, I hope not. We are all braving the elements by being in his presence. Thanks, Rick, for braving your own elements to be here with us. I went to work and I make beverages for thousands of people. Oh, my God. He's going to go travel the country soon, Do not right? come to Central Ohio. <laughs> oh, and I'm going to Colorado. Oh, my God. Next. Rick is going to be the reason we all die. Anyway, so... Uh quick health update just wash your goddamn hands just practice good hand hygiene and you'll be fine now moving on the spread and the i guess whether you think it's legitimate or not the fear of pandemic potential of the coronavirus has caused a lot of events worldwide to either be postponed performed behind closed doors or canceled entirely uh, so some pretty notable stuff that's going on a lot of sporting events especially overseas have been determined to be played behind cl closed doors so italian soccer matches in general um, a couple music festivals like Tomorrowland and Ultra have been suspended indefinitely. The Arnold? The Arnold here in Columbus. Spectators are banned. Spectators are banned for the preliminary rounds, but the finals, they're allowed to come back. I don't know. I mean, um, that's what uh, Schwarzenegger was saying. Like, first he agreed to no spectators at all, yeah. and then he went back on his word. He's like, you know what? We think spectators are okay. And the governor's like, fuck no, you're going to do what we told you. <laughs> so I guess that's kind of up in the air right now. The preliminary rounds are already done, and I think they'll be doing the finals uh, this weekend. Well, I guess it would have been Saturday and Sunday when you're listening to this. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Seattle's Emerald City Comic Con was canceled. Uh, Google Cloud Next 20 was uh, originally supposed to be hosted physically in San Francisco, and that that's now going to be a solely digital experience. Basically, every major premiere in China for like anything has yeah. been canceled indefinitely. The, the Superman Red Sun New York premiere was canceled, and the No Time to Die movie was postponed until November. Also, oh, there was rumor that the Olympics in 2020 are going to be canceled, but who knows with that. But the big stuff we want to talk about is how this is affecting gaming. We're a video game podcast, so we want to talk about the events that are either in jeopardy or have already kind of like succumbed to this. So the Game Developers Conference was canceled. Yeah, so basically this was – this started off with Sony announcing, hey, the public will be able to play uh, Last of Us 2 for the first time ever at GDC. And then, like, a week later, they're like, you know what? We're not going to GDC. <laughs> like, it, was, it fucking echoed their whole announcement of Last of Us with the release date. And then a week later, they're like, you know what? We're delaying it by two months. Right. So, um, yeah, they're the first major company to pull out. And then their whole PR statement was, we care about the health of our employees. So all these other major companies are like, fuck, we're going to look so bad, so bad if we, if we right. don't. So, yeah, then, um, what was it? Ubisoft? No, no, it wasn't Ubisoft. It was... Uh, Microsoft and EA did. They pulled that out was later. Way prior, like yeah. Um, I think it was Square Enix might have pulled out, and then like you know, other bunch of small people pulled out, and then yeah, Microsoft and everybody was pulling out. So then, if GDC went on, They'd it would have been completely there. empty. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're like we're gonna postpone it, but there isn't really a good time to postpone it too because after GDC, you you start right you know preparing for uh, E3 Comic Con E3. And then you have uh, Gamescom and all these other conferences that all the game people have to go to. So you can't really postpone it unless you postpone it a year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're going to be like, yeah, we could play Last of Us 2. And then like we've already had it for months. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sweet, they're playing at this conference. <laughs> yeah, so we did mention it. The big one, I guess, for us uh, is E3. And it's not canceled yet. It's not canceled yet. So it's still planned to be going on during the June 9th through 11 dates as scheduled. ESA 
is holding firm for this for now, despite the city of Los Angeles declaring a state of emergency for the coronavirus. They did release a statement regarding this, and it is as follows. The health and safety of our attendees, exhibitors, partners, and staff is our top priority. While the ESA continues to plan for a safe and successful E3 show June 9th through 11th of 2020, we are monitoring and evaluating the situation daily. And then they went on to say really quick, our E3 team and partners continue to monitor the coronavirus via the CDC and WHO, and we are actively assessing the latest information and will, con and will continue to develop measures to further reduce, reduce health risks at the show. I mean, E3 is just a big conference where a lot of people are present. It, if it's going to be something that spreads, it's going to spread there. Yeah, like, especially like, you know, people sharing controllers, you know, there's lines right. for all these things to play the new stuff that comes out. Not everybody washes their hands. Right. So, I mean, you can always, <laughs> especially at that conference. Yeah. I mean, you can always do stuff where you're like wiping down the controllers after every gameplay. Like, That's a lot I'm of sure they do wise, that. I'm sure they do that already, but even still. But like, then you have the whole thing of like bathrooms and like you yeah. can't avoid that many people, especially in that completely. concentrated yeah. of a space that especially is like that when it event spreads center. person to person. Right. Like, yeah. So it's just, it's just people one of those things. <laughs> coughing on you don't think people are just walking over to everyone coughing on people just deliberately. I've seen it man I've seen it but it, it does um, <laughs> hell of a grievous cosplay <laughs> <laughs> well it does it does raise a point that we've talked about before but not necessarily in this kind of facet where we've talked about is E3 a viable conference anymore and we've talked about this more from the perspective of just like kind of like showing your games because like people have been doing like state of plays or directs and is that a more feasible and cost effective way of doing it and it's more frequent 100 percent, it's more cost effective and that's why you know sony has pulled out that's why microsoft's in their own theater that's why ea is doing their ea play uh a lot of these companies are adjacent to e3 but not actually at e3 uh if you basically cancel e3 this year then all those smaller companies that think they need e3 to get that you know publicity and everything if they suddenly have to do their digital conference then they're like you know running the numbers they're like you know what our game sold just as well as if we had done e3 right but we didn't spend millions, millions of, of dollars, dollars to get to the e3 esa production. yeah like all that why stuff. the fuck are we going to e3 so i think if e3 ends up being canceled this year it might still happen 2021 but it'll be way more people that are pulling out because people are going to start seeing how little they lose right. and how much they save. And I think this could also be kind of like a, um, not a false flag, but like, because it's a console year, you're going to see upward like projections of sales and stuff like that, just because new consoles are going to be coming out. So that could be even more something to look at when, if they go and look at their numbers, but Hey, we had a great sales year. We don't need to do E3 anymore. And that could be attributed to that as well. So. Speaking of consoles with, you know, people like, you know, there's uh, you've seen the news stories in like Korea and in China and everything. Factories are all closing down because so many of the workers are out sick. So that's definitely going to reduce the manufacturing like amount that they can manufacture for these consoles. I don't think the consoles will be delayed. I think there's going to be like a severe shortage of consoles. So if you don't pre-order, you might not get it. It might, might be like the old Wii days. Also, I was talking to my friend in South Korea. He's opening up a chain of brew pubs. And a lot of restaurants and breweries and bars are starting to go out of business because nobody's leaving their homes anymore. It's just isolation. And, yeah, so I could see how, like, I guess PS4 and probably Xbox One sales are probably going way up 
just because you're sitting at home. home. Yeah. You know, you can easily buy games digitally and not leave the house for weeks at a time, which sounds amazing, but probably would suck after a while. Oh, it sounds just amazing. It does sound pretty great. <laughs> yeah, you don't think you should come to Cabin Fever. Yeah, you make you raise a good point. Digital sales. You don't want to go to the store and interact with all those people if there's a huge health risk out there. Um, more people who you know people who normally buy games physically are going to be like, I think I'm just going to buy this one digitally, and then they're able to play at midnight. They're able to pre-download. They see those benefits. They might just start skewing. They may bit even more buy the same game twice digitally, like some people. Yeah, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> They were named differently. They have to be different. Have, have, have you played board. both of them to check? No. <laughs> <laughs> but this this is all like a hypothetical of like what can happen if it continues to trend this way. That may ju- you know this might be completely blown out of proportion. I think cases in China are actually starting to trend down mm-hmm. recently. So you know, in a couple months, this might just be like not even an issue and something we were just talking about. You know. Well, I guess the question becomes is like. We know the show is June 9th through 11th, but obviously because a lot of preparation goes into this, when is the cutoff to decide we're having this conference or not? I mean, obviously, like, you're not setting up the event stage, like, months before. Well, they have registration going exactly. on Exactly. Right like, you have to prepare, like, selling tickets for this, media. Like, how are you going to Just go about doing rooms. this? Stuff that's actually happening, dealing with us right now. I started the registration of E3. And then I thought better of it, and it's halfway done right now. Right. I'm getting so many emails from ESA saying, like, complete your registration. Come on. Come on to E3. Do it. And I'm like, I just don't know. Like, you know, Sony's pulled out. You know, all these other people are spread out, plus this whole coronavirus thing. thing. Like, there's no point in registering for it now. It may not happen. Exactly. There is, a, there is a possibility that this does not happen. Exactly. And I want to book, like, flights and hotels and everything right. just to have to cancel them. Although some airlines are being pretty flexible and saying, like, you know, within the next year if you need to change your airlines we're not going to charge you a fee or whatever like we normally right. do so those are like the hypothetical things that can happen if coronavirus continues to trend the way it does i kind of want to focus on the effects that we know are happening right now for example gdc being canceled i think is going to have it's not having a bunch of immediate effects but i think it will have effects like down the line going forward because for those of you who don't know, GDC is completely different than E3. E3 is like consumer show. It's for uh, people in the retailer business to see. Their, I guess that's how it started off, but it's mostly a consumer show right now. But um, people also in the retail come to see and order pre-order copies, seeing how much they need in stock and all that stuff. That's E3. Game Developers Conference is just a bunch of developers getting together, sharing assets, sharing new methods of uh, you know rendering stuff. There's always a bunch of different panels on like what's new in the Source Engine this year and stuff like that. It's also a networking place for these smaller indie developers mm-hmm. to actually meet with some of these bigger publishers, like the big time, the big whales and stuff, of, yeah. of gaming. So. so GDC doesn't happen this year. Sony isn't going to GDC, and it's like whether it gets postponed or not. So a lot of these developers that, you know, would have met up with Sony at GDC to get their game on the brand new PS5 at launch is not going to happen. And that might not happen with Xbox now, and it's not going to happen with, you know, Nintendo and stuff. So I think the, the major backlash of this is you're not going to see it happen, but I think a lot of, indie developers or indie games that would have gotten exposure as being like, you know, launch titles on these new consoles are not going to be there. 
and some of these like launch lineups might feel a little empty that way because indies kind of take up the the slack of these you have a couple of major like ex- exclusives and third parties and stuff like but, indies make up the bulk of yeah of like yeah. the launch lineup for consoles now you have backwards compatibility and stuff yeah but i think that's going to be the biggest effect so this with gdc this hopefully would be something that's just indicative of this year because they're not having a problem with that like the way e3 is like if it's being effective or not right well i th- i'm not sure the financials of the company that puts on gdc i'm sure there's some type of insurance that covers you know events like this like you know um sickness and you know stuff you can't predict so hopefully it's not something like you know we're going bankrupt if we because we spent all this money on the venue and stuff that we can't get back and like all this stuff that we've already had set up that we you know we need to refund people who uh, spent travel and like tickets and stuff so hopefully the the company that runs gdc doesn't just go bankrupt because over this one canceled show right. and, and hopefully they would no hopefully GDC. they're a better run business that this wouldn't have that one cancellation but it is a big part of yeah what they do hopefully like we said this is just a couple month thing and they did say they're going to postpone it hopefully they can do it prior to e3 and maybe get it done like april or june or something or april or may um prior to june but we will see it, it everything is connected so like yeah. it, it's affecting the gaming industry and that's when it gets personal. Community questions. Huh? For those of you who do not know what community questions is, what we will do, we will go on to social media, typically Reddit, and we will pose a question to the community. You guys answer it. I pose the same question to our panel here. And they answer and we'll read our favorite answers up on the pod here. So the question that I asked this week, if a video game company banned you from playing all of their games, this is in the wake of Kurt0411 or whatever the hell his name is, being a dick to EA, and they banned him from all of their stuff so if if a video game company of your choice banned you from playing all of their games single player games included everything which company would affect your gaming the most assuming they had the the power to do power to do that to like completely like police this you cannot play any of our products or anything like that for me i said it was ubisoft more than likely or ea because i play fifa a bunch uh some of our better answers here someone Put this at Pornhub. I hate this. <laughs> Honestly, it, it, God damn it, Chance. <laughs> what? <laughs> if you're not wrong, you're just fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, second underscore Ferguson for putting Pornhub down. I mean, did you specify gaming company? Because you know, yeah, I said if a video game company banned you. Does Pornhub make video games? I don't fucking probably. Know. Probably. The, the, the worst thing about this is this bastard has the most liked views or posts, like upvotes on this goddamn post. I mean, I would have upvoted him. Like uh, Crimson Claw one 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 said Nintendo. A uh, nerdio said Mojang. Which oh, I mean, Microsoft. Just, yeah, but Microsoft. Well, well, what about like Blizzard is yeah. also under Activision, right? Activision Blizzard. Is so like that would hurt. Trikadar said like, Blizzard would hurt you. Well, yeah. yeah, like Blizzard, that's huge. Like Stealth Archer eleven 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 said Bethesda. Uh, there were there were a couple Microsofts here. Pit B eighty five T said From Software. So what about you guys? What video game company would affect you guys the most if they banned you from their stuff? A hundred percent Microsoft, because then you'd lose all of Game Pass. I'd lose all my achievements. I'd lose, like, Halo. Like, I think I only care about these achievements because of the recent achievement war. I think after, like, a month ago, I'm not caring about like, this. Like, I have been mostly digital this generation, so I'd lose access to all those games, which is terrifying. <laughs> so, yeah, Game Pass, um, you know, all that. Halo is a huge thing. Hellblade. And no more Ninja Theory games. 
God. And like, yeah, all those <laughs> studios that they got that are going to be like a Microsoft exclusives, not going to be able to play. See, I didn't think that macro. I was thinking like, I was thinking solely like franchises I would lose. So I was like, oh, I wouldn't get to play Assassin's Creed anymore. Oh, God, no. So, Chance, what about you? Um, I already kind of said like Blizzard Activision, you know, because they're under kind of the same umbrella. Um, you know, no WoW. Uh, no Call of Duty, no Overwatch, no Hearthstone, no uh, Crash Team Racing. That's what? That's not Activision owns. Yeah, that's right. God damn. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, don't fucking question me. Well, I was like thinking. I'm like, <laughs> it's not like you haven't made a mistake on this podcast. Before. I haven't. Like, oh, of course, of course. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of games that you know would be really fun that would be able to play. Spyro. Oh, I love Spyro. Rick, what about you? Tony Hawk? Uh, hands down, Bethesda. I own so many copies of Skyrim. <laughs> All of them, in fact. <laughs> Every platform. <laughs> Just about. That and, you know, between all the Elder Scrolls and all the Fallouts, like, at least those franchises, like, I could probably spend multiple years of my life solely playing those. Doom, Dishonored. I've yet to play Dishonored. Play we talked Dishonored. about that, yeah. Dishonored is on Game Pass. Dishonored 2 yeah. is. Dishonored 2 is on Game Pass. Yeah, not Dishonored. You one. can't play the second without playing the first. I, I agree with you. How Pat rolls. I mean, 100% play the first. First is an amazing game. Two is even better. So yeah, and yeah, they make it. They make a lot of games. But still those franchises. Ubisoft would be a big one, too, though. Assassin's Creed, Watch Dogs, For Honor. Siege. For Honor. Siege. Siege. Oh, my God. All the Tom Clancy stuff. Division. All right. So, yeah. So, that was community questions. All right. So, Xbox Series X news. So, literally an hour after our last podcast went up, asking both Xbox and Sony for news, Phil Spencer posted a blog on Xbox Wire. You know what that means. Phil Spencer, this is our podcast. (laughs) So... I'm going to let Pat take the reins on this one because this he, he was kind enough when he was going through this with me to put it into layman's terms, which still somehow I struggle to understand. So I'm going to let him take the reins on this and kind of go through all the specs and all that kind of stuff because he's far more well-versed in it than I am. We'll break this down kind of into sections. So uh, the first thing they really talked about was the GPU. Uh, big news there is 12 teraflops confirmed. Uh, before we speculated, he had said double the power. Are we talking about double the overall power are you talking literally double the six teraflop power of the xbox one x so um kind of just breaking it down completely in layman's terms for those of you who don't know what a teraflop is teraflop is a floating point operation per second um so basically it's explaining how much a gpu can render on screen at once how many of those pixels you can get all at once so just like raw power it's a good way of like comparing two things how powerful they are but with a video game there's just so much going around in the background and like you know you have an io connection between the things you have everything running off the ssd and everything so it's not a a complete accurate representation i can't just say 12 teraflops that means you'll be able to get 60 frames per second on this game or whatever um it's not something that's that simple console comparisons so you're like 12 teraflops what does that mean to me in the real world so the xbox or the Switch is one teraflop. Um, the Xbox One at launch was 1.3 teraflops. The Xbox One S is 1.4 teraflops. Uh, the PS4 at launch was 1.84 teraflops. The PS4 Pro is 4.2 teraflops. And then the Xbox One X is 6.0 teraflops. So uh, Series X is double the power of the Xbox One in terms of like that raw power that I just mentioned. 
So when you factor in like the new uh, AMD Navi chipset that they talked about, which is the actual CPU, you factor in the faster I/O connection that you have going on. You have the f- you factor in the faster connection, just for the fact that you have an SSD running all this stuff now. It's going to be more than double the power of the Xbox if you had to guess. So like a game that gets 60 FPS now on just the Xbox One, most likely will be able to get 120 frames per second or if the developer wants to shift those resources to make it run at a higher resolution or just add more graphical detail they can do that it's pretty much dependent on what the developer wants uh rd dna 2 architecture this is kind of like what the actual processor is built on like there's no good layman's terms to say this it's like basically how new the hardware is so it's amd's newest architecture so they don't at the moment of recording this podcast there is no amd rdna 2 gpu on the market so that can change any month now but at the time of recording this is the newest technology that they have that's not even available for you to purchase on a marketing level so maybe you know developers can purchase this in their you know, if they're manuf- obviously Xbox has purchased this already, so right. somebody can. It's just not available to consumers right now. Uh, so this is kind of unprecedented. Basically, when the series, when, when the Xbox One and the PS4 came out, they were running uh, CPUs that were built for mobile phones from like three or four years back. So not top of the line technology. The Series X will be current top-of-line technology at launch, which doesn't normally happen with a console. So it's good to see they're kind of future-proofing this, you know? Along with the GPU, they talked about the the variable rate shading. Uh, In layman terms, this is a new technique that allows the GPU to kind of more efficiently use its power. So right now, the way most rendering works is when you're displaying something on the screen, each frame, every pixel gets equal like power right? power from the gpu so the same amount of resources that goes to you know get that part in the center like your character model is how much resource is going to the the, the cloud in the, in the yeah the corner or whatever with variable rate shading you can basically change that so you make you make the thing that the the gamer is going to be looking at have the most power and then you know something in the corner that's you know something that's being blurred, you know, motion blur or something like that. The way it works right now is everything is rendered at the same rate and then you add post-processing effects. So the the bullet is rendered the way it's supposed to be and then it's blurred. So all that resources you're wasting rendering it and then blurring it is just wasted resources that you could be using somewhere else. So the way this is going to work is you devote as much power as you want to the thing that is going to be catching your eye and everything else is rendered at a lower you know, resolution or a lower level of detail. So basically you're not sacrificing image quality because as you're playing the game, you're looking at it, it's going to look the same to you because whatever your eye is drawn to has the most power. If anything, you're in pre- increasing the image quality of the things you're actually focusing on, but it's not adding any more. Like it's, it's a better way to use your resources for this. So you have a shit ton more power. You have a better way to use that power. So that's already pretty good in terms of how it's looking. Uh, 
already talked about that. It's probably going to help a lot with ray tracing because ray tracing, as good as it looks, it is very demanding. Uh, and if you're doing, if you're tracing all the rays equally, then you're using a shit ton of resources. But if you only need to trace the rays that you need to focus on, that's going to be less demanding overall. So hopefully they can run ray tracing on at 60 frames per second. That's the goal. They talked about quick resume. So they kind of have this feature already for the Xbox and even the PS4. You're able to suspend games as you're playing them and then turn off the console. And then it puts it into a low power state where it saves what it was doing on the hard drive. And then when you log back in, you pick when you turn the console back on, you pick up right where you left off. So if you're Spider-Man on the PS4 in the middle of a swing, you turn on the console, you're still in the middle of that swing. What Quick Resume now does is it lets you do that with multiple games. So you could be in the middle of like your uh, Halo game, turn that off, turn on Ori in the Blind Forest, play that for a little bit, close it, go to Assassin's Creed, and then when you go back to Halo, you're right where you left off on Halo. So I'm not sure how many games you can do this with Max. I'm sure there is a limit because there's only so much you can save on the SSD uh, to do that. Uh, the cool thing is Major, Le Major Nelson let slip on a podcast that you can do this after a full reboot and even a system update. He said he was in the middle of testing out the new console. There was a system update that they released. He you know, turned off his console, did the system update, went back to the game he was playing, and it started off right where it left off. So That's pretty sweet. It's cool that it survives that. I am a little bit skeptical because this feature doesn't work perfectly right now. Uh, there's been many times where I've turned off a single-player game, went back like the next day, and you know it restarts the game. Or you know sometimes there's a memory leak or something like that, and you can see that it's noticeably dipped down in performance or graphics or something. So then you have to end up closing and restarting the game just to get it to run how it's supposed to run. So it might not work perfectly, but it's good that it's an option that you do have. Dynamic latency input. This is a new proprietary technology that they kind of are implementing in the new console. That's going to, they're saying is going to reduce input lag, input lag from the moment you press a button to what happens on the screen. Right now, consoles don't have that much input lag if you have your your TV already set to game mode, which we'll talk about in a second here. Uh, but you know, it's still not as precise as a mouse and keyboard is, and that's always the big thing. Like with all the crossplay and everything that's going on, someone who's playing with a mouse and keyboard is going to have a distinct advantage over you. It's it's not a, something that you'll always lose, no matter what the skill level is. If you are good enough with a controller, you're going to beat someone with a mouse and keyboard, but it, it's trying to reduce that advantage so that's not even there. And but you can play I've noticed that want. as well, like playing with other friends who are like on PC and will play together. And I just, they just, granted, it is due to like their own gameplay abilities, but I can feel myself being behind even in what they're doing just from that alone. Like in moments where it's like we should have been equal in what we were doing and I feel myself reacting or the button like not like registering as quickly as I feel like it should. Yeah, certain games it's definitely more noticeable. Um, if you look at Red Dead Redemption, animations and stuff happen. I think that is more of like the actual engine it's running on. Uh, Halo feels pretty fucking precise to me. Uh, same with Titanfall. But, you know, if you can reduce it by milliseconds and that's something that makes me on par with someone else, I'm not going to say no to that. So and It's amazing how much like you can actually like basically like understand that like when you're playing and perceive it you can perceive even there's like a millisecond off like 
it just doesn't feel right, you know? So just... Yeah. Um, and also anything that reduces input lag right now just on normal consoles is going to reduce input lag when you are streaming the game because that's another layer that's being added on when you're streaming. So the lower you have the input lag to start with, the less it's going to be overall. Um, HDMI 2.1. People are like, HDMI, I didn't know they had a 2.0. you talking about 2.1. This is the next gen uh, HDMI connection. A lot of monitors and stuff have this. Um, it's going to be pretty much standard on TVs releasing 2020. So, you know, if you're buying a, tw- uh, a TV this year, you're going to have this. It's not even going to be something you have the option to buy the old version or whatever. Um, it's a higher data speed connection that allows you to play 4K at 120 hertz. Right now with uh, HDMI, I think we're on 2.0 uh, or 2.10a or something like that. It allows you to play 4K at 60 hertz or allows you to play 1080p at 120 hertz because the amount of information that's being processed at 4k 120 hertz is just too much for that connection to handle so with obviously they they talked about how the series x supports up to 8k up to 120 hertz a second that's not going to happen at the same time but it's good that they'll be able to get 4k 120 hertz if you know depending on how demanding that game is it's going to be something that happens or uh, 120 hertz for 1080p still going to be an improvement that you see for like Call of Duty or whatever. You're going to be able to feel that more precise movement, you know, less choppy, however you want to explain that. Um, 1440p is also an option to get it 60 frames per second or higher. So basically, they said they just want to give the developers as many options to make the game however they want to make it. So if they want to support 4K at 120, by all means do it. If you want to go just 1080p 60, do it. It's up to you. They also talked about variable refresh rate. So again, this isn't a feature that is standard. Uh, A lot of monitors have this. My monitor right now has this. My TV does not. But if you do buy a a new 2020 TV, you don't want to make sure your TV has it if this is something that's important to you because not every TV is going to have it. Uh, it is an interesting technology because it doesn't... So right now, every TV that doesn't have this refreshes at a certain interval. So when your game dips in performance, that isn't a factor of whatever that's refreshing at. So let's say your display is refreshing at 60 hertz. If your game is running at 30 or 60 or like 20 it's going to look you know, fine. You, obviously, you'll be able to tell it's more choppy at 20 versus 60, but it's not going to be something that's going to be like super inconvenient to you. But if the, game, the second your game starts running at 43 frames per second or something like that, that's when the, the amount of information that's being sent to the TV doesn't match the time the TV is refreshing. So you get that screen tearing. Half the frame of the previous frame and half the frame of the new frame get overlapped and you get that like line that goes through like all the way mm-hmm. to reduce that what these new TVs are able to do well these new displays in general are able to do is they're able to have the the GPU tell the display when to update so if your game starts running at 43 second 43 uh, frames per second it tells the TV like, hey, shift to 43 frames per second so everything syncs up. You don't get that screen tearing and it just feels smoother even though it's not running at 60 hertz normally. It is something that does make a difference and it's it's better overall because 
you don't have to reduce the quality of the game to match the display refresh rate. It's you can run your game at whatever frame per second you want, and the display syncs up to that instead of the other way around. Auto low latency mode, ALLM, if, uh, for those of you who don't know. Uh, this kind of seems just like, okay, whatever, like why are you even touting this? And yeah, and that's probably true. But basically the, HD, the Xbox will be able to tell your TV like, hey, go to game mode, reduce the, go to game mode, go to 4K, go to HDR, reduce the lag as much as you can because this is it's a video game that the person is displaying. It's not a movie. It's not, you know, satellite or whatever. Uh, a lot of people, I, I'm astounded at the amount of people that don't put their display into game mode. So it, it just adds more lag and more effects to it. So sometimes you get that like soap opera effect on stuff you're watching. So just to reduce that, the Xbox will automatically put your TV into that mode. As long as you have an HDMI 2.1 compatible TV. Everything is backwards compatible though. So if you still have your 720p that has an HDMI, it's still going to work. It's just not going to have these features. So, All right. So this is kind of one that interests me the most. Smart delivery versus backwards compatibility. So obviously you know what backwards compatibility is. They've announced this a while ago. Any game that works on the Xbox One X now, or Xbox One I should say, now will work on the Series X. That includes all the backwards compatible Xbox original titles, Xbox 360 titles, Xbox One titles, and then obviously Series X titles will work on Series X. So you'll have four generations of a game library on this one console, which is great. Obviously, everybody wants that. Um, because the fact that you are running a game on better hardware, uh, those Xbox One games that you you know, you put in like uh, a big thing is uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, even on my Xbox Series Xbox One X, that did not hit 60 frames per second all the time in performance mode. But now I'm going to be running it on better hardware on the Series X, so it should hit all its targets. It's going to hit the highest resolution. It's going to hit the the frames per second. It's going to hit the best detail that they wanted. You know, no hitches, and that's without any developer work at all. That's just it doing its thing running on better hardware so that's great to obviously have but then they also talked about smart delivery they didn't specify how this is going to work but this is how i assume it's going to work if you have your xbox one disc um let's say cyberpunk is going to be a game that comes out on both if you have a physical copy of cyberpunk 2077 for the xbox one right now you will be able to put that disc into your Series X, and now your Series X will download the Xbox Series X version. So you're not playing backwards compatibility, you're playing the version with all the bells and whistles that had the developer implementations to make it run higher resolution, higher effects, ray tracing, all that stuff. If I'm not confirming that they're gonna do that, but you know whatever they decide to do. It's going to download that one automatically, and that's the version you're going to be playing. It's so cool. Yeah. I love this concept so much. And now if you take that disc out and you put it in an Xbox One, it's still going to load up the Xbox One because it knows what console you're running and what version that game is. Mm -hmm. So I assume it'll work. They said it's going to work that way for every first-party title. So Halo 1 at launch – or Halo Infinite at launch, whether you're playing on the Xbox One or you're playing on the Series X, you're going to be playing the version – of that console. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't upgraded and I've upgraded, my version that I download, uh, that I pre-download on my X is going to automatically upload to the Xbox Series X version at launch. So right. now you said it, 
it's for the physical does this work with digital or yeah is, yeah okay i they haven't announced that it's going to work with both i expect it to work with both right. because that's just how microsoft has been doing even with backwards compatibility right. so um and this is a tool that they're releasing to all developers so they must have planned this because the second they announced this cd project red is like hey cyberpunk no, mm-hmm. no gamer should have to buy the same game twice. twice. Yeah. So if you buy Cyberpunk, you are gonna get it. This both. Like as if Cyberpunk isn't almost always trending on gaming sites, just in general. This tweet like blew up immediately because mm-hmm. I think Xbox retweeted it, obviously, and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, it is, it's very cool. It's, it's kind of directly in line with what we talk about all the time with for the gamers kind of thing. They're right. I mean, we've done it before and we've all bought games multiple times, but like. They're right. You shouldn't have to do that just because you're upgrading from one console to another. And they did later because somebody asked them like, hey, are you going to be implementing this for the PlayStation as well? And they're like, yeah, uh, it might not be smart delivery because we don't know how what Sony is going to do. They haven't announced anything. They might just it might be the same thing just a different name. Uh, but they said even if they don't have something like this in place, if you buy the PS4 version of Cyberpunk, yeah, you will get the PS5, the PS5 yeah. version for free. Whether that's, you know, included in a code or, like, something they email you or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's very cool. I yeah. love that they're doing that. Hopefully other companies, like, take that on because yeah. that's a, it's a huge thing. So Well, I mean, if they don't now... They're going to look bad. It's like, going to be a huge... PR like, disaster. What the fuck? Like, kind of like CD Projekt Red is doing this. Why can't you? Even if they don't, though, uh, this isn't going to affect backwards compatibility. Right. So let's say you're playing... Assassin's Creed Origins. Let's say you're playing Assassin's Creed Origins, and that's one of the ones Ubisoft doesn't put all the bells and whistles for. Or let, let's say they do. Let's they do an Xbox Series X version of Assassin's Creed Origins, but they don't make it smart delivery compatible. So if you want the Series X version, you have to pay twenty bucks for it. They but you do, can still put in your Xbox One. Yeah, so you can still play the backwards compatible version of it it's without just not paying. Run for the it. specs of a Series X, right? It'll just run the specs of a one. Exactly. So it'll run the way it was designed to run. It's going to hit all the targets that it, it should have hit on the, the Xbox One that maybe it didn't, but it just won't be the the remaster of it, basically. Right. So, like, this generation, we saw that a lot. Like, Last of Us remastered. Um, Grand Theft Auto Five. Grand Theft Auto Five got remastered. Uh, Bioshocks got remastered. Um, basically, a lot of these collections and stuff that they released. I think with this, especially with backwards compatibility plus this, you're going to see a lot less of that. Mm-hmm. Or if they do it, it's going to be not costing you anything. Right. So I think that's it's good for the consumers. So I'm we obviously totally love that. For that. Mm-hmm. And I'm I got a nostalgia boner all the time, so it's always great for me. Yeah, like right now they have a team that's just working at Xbox remastering old Xbox original games. Some games that are not even owned by Microsoft. Like, they went back and they did a 4K update for Knights of the Old Republic. You can play Knights of the Old Republic at 4K on your Xbox One X. That's ridiculous. So, you know, if they can implement that and keep doing shit like that, it's just a bunch of these quality of life services that are making this a smooth transition and making... They're basically saying the Xbox Series X is going to be the best place to play your games. So physical copies, let's talk about this for a second. So what this makes me think is there's only going to be one box. So like right now you have, uh, or I guess not right now, but like take, take you back to 2013. 
Destiny. You had a box that said Xbox 360 version of Destiny, and then you had a box that said Xbox, Xbox One version of Destiny. I think with this next generation, You're that's going to go away. They're just going to change the the little sleeves that they put in, or they're going to add a sticker that says Xbox One X and Series X compatible, or Xbox One and Series X compatible, or whatever. Yeah, they just put it on one sleeve, probably. Yeah, like. so it'll all be the same game. Yeah, and that'll save like manufacturing costs for the games and everything. Too, manufacturing so costs and stuff, and uh, you know, you won't have to buy two games, or you know, right. you won't. Parents won't be confused, like, oh shit, do I buy the Series X version or do I buy the, the, the Xbox One version yeah. and stuff like that. What the downside to this is going to be is that if you just have one physical version of it, you have to play to the lowest common denominator, which in this case is the normal Blu-ray drive on the Xbox One. Those discs only hold 50 gigs of data. So if you have games that are over 50 gigs, which a lot of games are these days. Multiple discs. Yeah. Well, Red Dead was 100. Master Chief Collection is over 100. Halo 5 is like 99. Like, I mean, Final Fantasy is going to be huge. Yeah, exactly. So all these games are huge. But if you have to have your discs work on all the media available, including a normal Blu-ray drive, you can only put 50 gigs on there. So expect to download a lot of stuff next gen, even if you buy physical. So... So you'd recommend going down the trend to digitally doing stuff right now. Now is as good as time as any if this is the road they would go down. Definitely. I mean, I'm I'm all digital. I highly recommend it. There's a lot of benefits to it. Buy some external hard drives. Well, even if you buy physical, there's still a lot of downloading. Like when yeah. I got yeah, Gardens of the Galaxy, absolutely. there yeah. was so much downloading that like I took out the disc and I put in Assassin's Creed 2. And then I tried to boot up Guardians of the Galaxy just because I figured it was like, okay, it must be all downloaded onto my system because that took for fucking ever. Yeah, day one patches that are huge and stuff. Like, it's it's pretty bad right now, but I think it's going to get even worse. Because <laughs> if you've got games with 8K textures next gen, that is going to be a shit ton of space. All right, PlayStation. Will they implement this same strategy? Smart delivery, you mean? Yeah. I don't see why not. I don't think it's... It, it's great, obviously. I don't think it would be that. I can't. I, I think yeah. I wouldn't. I think they didn't want to because Sony probably wanted to make a shit ton of money with the remasters and stuff like that. But I think Xbox just forced their hand, so I think they're definitely gonna. And just say that that was their plan all along. Exactly. Because fuck you, love Sony. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if they don't, that's just a huge bonus to your competitor that you were just giving away. If they somehow fumble the launch and say, you know, it's it's not something we're going to do or whatever, and they don't offer it to you at launch, it's coming, like, very soon after launch. That's that's not something you can give up to your competitor, I think. So, yeah. Now, I, d- I know they haven't released the specs for the PS5 yet, I don't think. There is a leak out there. There is a leak out there. Nine point two teraflops is what people are saying. Okay, and that's based on um, th- they have these like ways to test GPU stuff before they actually manufacture it, or whatever. And it has like these code names and stuff. So uh, some test results came online that showed like similar specs of what the the Sony PS Five would have, mm-hmm. and that showed nine point two teraflops. So that's what people are thinking is the, like the leak. So 9.2 versus 12 is a pretty big difference. Going back to, yeah, if you go back to the Xbox One, 1.34, 
and the PS4 launch was 1.84, so 0.5 teraflop difference. Mm-hmm. In this case, if we have a 3, three teraflop, teraflop difference. That's pretty significant. I mean, yeah. like, it's Xbox Series X, so I'm thinking there might be other Xboxes. Yeah, there were. Maybe, maybe not as powerful. Like, the Series X would be, like, your most powerful, and then you'd have, like, a... Like the a lesser, Series S. That may be rumor. as powerful as a pay- PlayStation 5 or something. Well, the rumor is... Uh, well, not the rumor. This is what people have speculating because the leak also mentioned the lower-spec Xbox, which was the Lockhart, which was, I think, like 4.2 teraflops. And again, this is why teraflops isn't a great like measure of like. how the game will perform because you can have lower teraflops on your GPU, but the fact that you have the faster CPU, faster connection, and SSD, that's still going to increase the performance. The Xbox One X has six teraflops, but if the Lockhart has 4.2 and it has these other better components, it can still perform better than the Xbox One sure. X. So people think Microsoft's strategy is going to be to hit the, the low and the high end. So... Microsoft is going to come out with uh, the Series S, which is going to be the 4.2 teraflop one. Sony's going to have the 9.2. And then Xbox is also going to have the 12 teraflop. So they're going to have both the cheaper console and the most expensive, the best performance console. Right. Well, I guess we don't know what the price point was going to be. So I assume the price point will, will be, be just that right, like, <laughs> the lowest price and the highest price. price. Right. So, and Sony would be, Sony would be, be in the, the middle. middle. Yeah. So, you know, depending on who, how that strategy works for them. Uh, if, you know, some gamers might be like, you know, the PS five is going to run better than the series X and it's cheaper than the, or it's, it's going to run better than the Series S, and it's cheaper than the Series X, I'm going just middle of the road. But we saw what a huge difference even $100 in price makes. Mm. So if, let's say, the Siri, like the rumor for the PS5 is, what, 470 to manufacture, so people think it's going to be probably 500 If the PS5 comes in at 500 and Microsoft takes a loss on the Series S, and they come in at 300 it's a $200 difference. Right. That's what the casual gamers right, are going to flock exactly. to. And then the hardcore audience is going to want the best performance yeah. ones. It's so. like the casual person, just like the parent is going to be like, why would I spend $200 more for this? Because like they're not invested in the CPUs and yeah, all that. They don't have brand loyalty. So. Right, exactly. They're like, this is cheaper and it does everything I need it to mm-hmm. do. Perfect. Little Timmy wants to play Call of Duty. He's going to play it on the uh, cheapest... Sometimes it's like, I'm going to give them the most expensive. Like, some parents are like that. By the way, the kid's playing fucking Minecraft. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Thank you for going through all that, because I know that's... It was a a lot lot thrown at you. A lot of it was... fun to say teraflops. It is fun to say teraflops. It's better if you understand what it means. (laughs) I hope you have a better understanding of it now. So, basically, Series X is a fucking behemoth of a console. Mm. And it's probably going to have a behemoth of a price. So maybe like 600. Yeah. I'm hoping 500 at <laughs> the was, most. I, I was thinking it could be like 599. I think it might be 600, 650. I really hope Microsoft, you know, kind of evaluates what happened with the Xbox one at launch, you know, being a $500 console and having just a huge loss in, you know, Sony grabbed such a big lead early on that they couldn't catch up. So maybe they're like, you know... We take a hit on the console. Yeah, we take a hit on the console just to get them into Game Pass and get money that way. So even though this machine is... Because right now, like my GPU, 
um, or the the GPU that is closest to this, I think, is 11.8 teraflops, is the uh, RT RTX 2080 Super, and that GPU alone costs 700. Just the GPU, no CPU, no hard drive, nothing. Shit. So, dude, I'm poor. I can't afford this. <laughs> so, hopefully, you know, if they can make this console cost 500 for the entire console when the GPU is as powerful as a $700 GPU, that is an amazing feat. So, but we don't anticipate that, right? It's it's more hopeful. I don't right? no way in hell is this console going to cost $700. You don't think it'll be I'm that thinking high. 600. No. Is 600 even too high? Isn't I was th I, I was thinking it could be anywhere from like five ninety nine to like six fifty. I think they need to hit five hundred if they want to be competitive, and I hope they will because Microsoft is a huge company and the gaming is the small division of that. Right. So they can take a loss in the gaming division. In the gaming division to get places. people into the ecosystem to make money down the line. Sony probably not in as good of a spot to do that. And that's why I don't think the PS4 is going to come in, or the PS5 is going to come in at 400. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm just I'm waiting for Sony to announce because like their specs and everything in detail. Because, but yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to tweet or email us at tugpod on Twitter or the Untitled Gaming Podcast at gmail.com. Support subtitles. Wow. <laughs> Anyway, all right, so Subpar Subtitles, for those of you who don't know, is a game we like to end the podcast with, where basically I take the principle that game developers like naming their game with the name of the franchise, colon, subtitle, and that's S-U-B hyphen T-I-T-L-E, like Doom Eternal. So uh, what I've done is I've created four, no, I've created one fake subtitle, and four real ones, and I've intermixed them, and it's our panel's job here to figure out which one the fake one is. So, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Mastermind of Mars, Authority, Abaddon's Gate, Running Blind, The Doors of Stone. Say this again for those of you listening at home. Mastermind of Mars, Authority... Abaddon's Gate, Running Blind, The Doors of Stone. Can you spell Abaddon's for me? A-B-A-D-D-O-N apostrophe S. Okay. Zach, what is your pick? Which one was D again? Sorry. Oh my god. That was the blind? Running, running blind. blind. Running blind. Yeah, let's do that one. Blind guess for Zach. Rick, what about you? E. There is no E. Five. Five. Doors oh, there stone. is E. The doors are stone. <laughs> there is no E. <laughs> e. Nope. <laughs> Not a choice anymore. Chance. I'm going to go with C. Abaddon's Gate. No, wait. <laughs> Last chance. You got... Five seconds. I don't, Five. I don't like this at all. Four, three, two. Um, I'm one. gonna go with C. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, then why the fuck are you making all this drama for? <laughs> Suspense. <laughs> all right. So now the twist. So you guys basically have the option to keep your answer, and then you will get three points if that answer is indeed correct, or you can choose to say all real or all fake, and you will get 
double the points if that's the case for a total of six. So chance. What do you say? You still no, no, I say they're all real. All real for chance. I'm gonna go all fake. All fake for Rick. I also want to go all fake. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm gonna lose. <laughs> I lose this, then I'm I quit. I'm all fake, yeah. All fake, okay. Yeah, yeah. So could be all could be nothing. We'll see here. Okay. So Mastermind of Mars. Not a real game. I lost. Oh, baby. Authority. Not a real game. Let's go! <laughs> Abaddon's Gate. Not a real game. Running blind. Not a real game. The Doors of Stone. Real game. <laughs> real game. <laughs> Not a real game. So, twist number two. Oh, no. There is a common theme in all of these subtitles. If you can guess it, an additional three points. Zach, why don't you go first? What is your answer? I have no idea. Uh, Rick put on here games coming out. Like, plays on games coming out because Abaddon... The Bible, Balder was a god, Norse mythology, Balder's Gate's coming out. Uh, Mastermind of Mars could be a playoff of Doom. Um, I I was wondering, like, walking... Running sight, blind. Running blind, but yeah. <laughs> walking sight. <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking that maybe like an opposite or some shit. But walking blind or... Walking dead, running blind, I don't know. Running visual. Chance, any, any guess for you? Uh, Shot in the dark. I don't know. Religion. They're all religions. That is not correct either. All right. So, are you guys ready? Mm-hmm. They were all the title of a book in a popular series of books. So, John Carter, Mastermind of Mars, the Southern Reach series, Authority, the Expanse series, Abaddon's Gate, Jack Reacher, Running Blind, and the King Killer Chronicle, The Doors of Stone. They were subtitles, just of books. Of books. Ah, oh, nice. Clever. Yeah, I, I was initially thinking like it's like a threshold of some kind because you had door and gate, but then it didn't work for authority or running blind. Oh, blind is like a threshold of your sight, but I was like, yeah, it's just not going to work. So. I figured one of you guys would have known like one of these series. Anyway, so the uh, yeah, so Zach and Rick get six points. Yeah. Is, so is this the first points of the year? Yep. First points of the year. I would, to be fair, this is only the third time we've done this, so. In first place is Rick with six. Tide is myself with six. (laughs) (laughs) You almost hit second place. (laughs) It's just a force of habit. Rick ran away with it last year. And then Chance is at zero right now. But, I mean, those were the first points. I should have one point. Why? Didn't we all get one point the first time we played, or does that not count? No, I wrote down zero. We all got nothing. I mean, t- I gave you one point like at the end of last year, but everybody got a point, so it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. I mean, the deficit is still the same. Yeah. It, so, yeah. So, yeah. That is what the scores are at right now. So, yeah, it's still anybody's game. So The year is young. It's only March. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, there was only one show that you guys got six points in, so next week, Chance can get six points. And right, you exactly. You get nothing. Right. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, you can catch us every other Monday on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. You can reach us with any questions, comments, or concerns at the Untitled Gaming Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TugPod, on Instagram at TUG underscore POD, 
We have a Facebook page now. That's just the entitled gaming podcast, just that page. On Reddit, we are at rtugpod. We do have a surprise coming out this week, so maybe you'll get another little episode or something. Don't say anything like that. Just stay tuned. And then we also ask that you subscribe and leave us reviews. Five-star reviews for us. One-star review for every other podcast. Like, yeah, it's like isn't it's like vanilla a, like a hint in Dr Pepper or something? Yeah, it's like one of the. So it's kind of cherry, I think. Is it? Yeah, so cherry vanilla Dr Pepper is just like that. Has anyone cracked the code of what all twenty three flavors are? Dude, it's like the eleven herbs and spices with KFC. You know there when are actually eleven herbs and spices in the world. That's Only all 11? a sham. Hmm. No, there aren't. Oh, there's more, obviously. No, there's less. Wow. <laughs> I found out an element. You ruined all jokes, Zach. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, wait, wait. You don't understand. There are exactly four herbs and three spices in all of the world. <laughs>